So, you know, I'm a dog, and I'm kind of new to this family, but I've noticed a trend. My humans do this thing where they go around and get all my toys and hide them in this basket, but it's always the same basket, and it's always the same place, and then they act so surprised when I find them, but I'm like, hello, that's where you put it last time. Humans are the worst at hide-and-go-seek. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. <laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of The People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it The People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it The People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you. The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, hey now, welcome to, I guess this is the first JSC Extra that I've tossed on to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Now, if y'all recall, episode 27, which was about two weeks ago, featured a wonderful interview I did with the amazing Jasmine Duke, the head of the female condition, thefemalecondition.com. This really dope feminist website that is not your typical feminist website. And it goes to reason because, you know, JSC Radio is not your typical podcast. It's not really sports, not really news. It's a little bit of everything. It's a lifestyle podcast. Well, that's what the female condition is. It's not your typical feminist website. And I had Jasmine on and we talked about just about everything you can imagine. Whether it was dealing with sexual objectification of women, sexual objectification of black men, the policing of women's bodies, the issues with sexual health and sexual freedom. And we got into a lot of these things, but because the show is so long, some of it had to be left on the cutting room floor. Well, not this time, damn it. So what I'm about to present to you will be in full the entire 50 minutes of Jasmine and I chopping it up about not only the female condition, but also various other issues dealing with women's health and dealing with sexuality. And if you recall, this interview was recorded prior to the unbelievable women's march that was held in Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago. She also talks about her motivations to go down and be a part of one of the biggest protest marches in this country's history. It's a hell of a lot bigger than the inauguration the day before. So, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for a JSC Extra, the entire uncut interview with the female conditions, Jasmine Duke. Without further ado, let's do this shit. I've done this show for nearly a year, and I've had three guests. And if you've noticed, all three guests are women. It's not because I can't get men to talk to me. No, I much just prefer to talk to women. So that's how this is going to work. This show is not your typical sports show. It goes in different directions. Yes, I just got done talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to go a totally different direction here with this amazing woman who she's a writer, a creator, an innovator, a lover. I can also tell she's very much a humble individual as well. 
She's passionate about women's health, female sexuality. Oh yes, th this is a grown-up conversation, so children, you may not want to, you know, have this on in the office. You might want to put the headphones on for this one. She empowers women to be beautiful, powerful, and the free creatures, even though I can't really call... Is it wrong to call women creatures? That just feels, that just feels weird. Great creatures that they are. She's the founder of the website, The Female Condition. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to JSC Radio, coming in from New York City, Miss Jasmine Duke. Jasmine, what up, though? <laughs> Thank you. That was a very uh, illustrious introduction. I don't know that I've ever had anyone be so kind to me, though I will say I've fed you most of the bio uh, information in advance. Hey, 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 you can't be, you can't be exposing the business out here. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a creator, an innovator, a lover. The, the lover part is the... The lover part is great. That That's great. Because <laughs> we'll get into that part of it down the line, too. I guess for those who are just hearing your voice for the first time, tell the people about who you are. Who is Jasmine Duke? You know, I think really I'm just a, a small girl who grew up in Minnesota who had big dreams who moved herself to New York City. Um, most notably, the thing I'm most passionate about and work the hardest on is the femalecondition.com. Um, that is a web publication based on feminism and all about empowering women through honest communication. Um, I think as a woman looking out into especially the online sphere and the kind of content that's geared towards me, it's always, you know, makeup, gossip, better ways blow my boyfriend, um, which I don't have, or ways to find said boyfriend that I don't have, and, you know, fashion and diets, and to me, I'm just uninterested in most of those topics, and the market is so saturated with that type of content, that I got this idea in September of 2016, I just thought, why don't I just start my own web publication to talk about some of the things that I want to talk about? Um, and so that's what we do on The Female Condition. We talk about things that women care about. And sometimes it's sexuality and sometimes it's politics and sometimes it's just like things about your period that girls like to sit around and talk about together because we're the only ones who understand it. I can I can honestly say that, yes, y'all understand it a whole hell of a lot better than I'm known to. That's why I will always <laughs> defer to women on that subject matter. I, I mentioned it in your intro and... This is like a, this is a sports show, and I've done sports interviews with women before. I've I've interviewed uh, female athletes. I've covered women's basketball before. I've done these different things dealing with women, and just coming from the the male sphere here is that oftentimes we tend to miss the boat on women in understanding what women want, what you guys are thinking of, what you go through, what you deal with on a daily basis. When I had Lara Witt on here back in September. It was to help kind of explain, since apparently men saying, dude, that's not cool, you can't talk to women and treat women that way, doesn't seem to work. You can hear it directly from a woman to understand what uh, women go through all the time. As you mentioned, you came up with the female condition, as I'm actually looking at the site right now, you came up with the female condition. Was there one particular thing that, that really inspired you to do this, or was it just as you laid out there, it was just a whole litany of things that did it? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, it really runs the spectrum. And, and to your point, so I was actually raised by a single black father. So I actually come from this place of, you know, really having to help a man understand <laughs> what it means to be a woman my entire life. So, and that, that comes with its own complexities. And I think to, to the male perspective point, I don't know that men don't understand the vantage point or the effects of women because they don't want to. I think we, frankly, just hold very different positions in the world. And so from my life experience and what I'm going to go through, you know, when I do something is going to be vastly different than your experience when you walk through and you do the exact same thing. And so unless we bridge that gap and we talk to each other and we say, hey, this is what it's been like for me to do this you know, that we don't really know what's going on on the other side of the fence. So I, part of what I feel strongly about, one of the many, many missions of, you know, the female condition is actually to bring men into that fold. And if you notice, there's actually 
a section called the Men of FemCon, which is um, male-generated content. Hmm. There are, gosh, I think, 10 different male writers that contribute or that submit questions. Um, I also just happen to be fortunate that I've got a whole lot of male, um, not only support people in my own life, but just people, men who will come to me and ask me questions about feminism or my thought process. I actually got a question from a man today about if I thought someone could be a feminist and pro-life. Interesting. Now, what would your response be to that? Uh, Yeah, of course. So, first of all, feminism isn't a mutually exclusive um, ideology. Nothing really is. So, if we're talking about something like feminism, you believe in gender equality. So, that can go with anything. But the part where it gets tricky is how you're defining pro-life. And let's just be really clear that modern-day definitions of pro-life, for example, what we're seeing today with our current newly elected regime, we're seeing a pro-birth movement. This isn't a pro-life movement. And you know how I know that? Because they just cut child health care, but they're moving to ban contraceptives and abortion. So if you're limiting access to safe reproductive rights, but you're also not moving to care for and to protect children, those aren't pro-life movements. Those are pro-birth movements. Because after the child is born, you don't really give a shit what happens to it. It sounds a lot like the George Carlin joke of it's It's almost like they they, rate, they want live babies to raise into dead soldiers. It, if you're... <laughs> it, it, if you're, it's like if you're preborn, you're fine. If you're if you're preteen, you're fucked. <laughs> that's the well, that's, and pro life doesn't have to mean um, anti abortion, and it and it certainly doesn't have to mean anti anti contraceptive. Because the other thing that I would I would pose to you, which I think birth may birth is a very different medical quantity for us to figure out, especially in the context of life. A baby is essentially growing inside a woman and taking a woman's life force from her. And a lot of pregnancies, by the way, are very unsafe for women. I believe it was either 2016 or 2015, so one of the highest um, birth mortality rates means that the mother was dying during birth in the United States, not in a third world country, not somewhere else. Like These are realities. So if you're pro-life and let's say something happens to the mother and terminating the pregnancy saves the mom's life then you know what then what pro-life what pro-life do you side on then it's interesting you bring that up and I, and you mentioned that i i think of every year on my birthday and the older i get the more fortunate i am to have my mother tell me this story every year on my birthday is that she had to be rushed to icu and she had me because she was in a lot of physical distress and it's yep. it's that's a, one of those things that i guess people don't really take the time to think about when they're so busy trying to police women's bodies is that yep. you don't quite get what they go through and it's always it's always bugged me when i hear the abortion debate come from from us as men because there i mean there's certain things it's like you don't want to you don't you don't want i'm guessing what's a good analogy i can use for this i don't need an electrician trying to tell me how to cook fried chicken. So why why would I need a man trying to instruct a woman on what to do with her body when A, it's not your body, B, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's, it's what 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 the Well, yeah, and you're not you're not asking for your and and that's the reality of a woman having a child is you are being asked to put another life ahead of your own. And and it is a woman's absolute right and decision to make to make that call whether she's at a position in her life where she wants to put another person's life ahead of her own on top of the fact that do we really want women having children that they don't want we're we're already loaded with foster kids and you know not enough kids get adopted and there's not enough funding to support these children and homeless children and I mean, we're already loaded to the gills with that. Do we really want to put? Do we really want to put ourselves in the position where we either have children going with with mothers who don't want them, or who are, who are left with no homes and no support? 
it's the it's like the it's like a really bad chicken or egg. No matter what, it's a no win situation. Yeah. I as I. I look at your site, and and it's interesting because again, you brought you brought up the fact that you were raised by your dad, and mm-hmm. you and your dad are have this really amazing relationship that I can tell. That is your that's your dude, that's your ace, that's your <laughs> that's my guy. That, yeah, that, that that that's the homie. How how was it coming up in a in a single parent household with a with a sing, with a single black father? You don't hear that often, even though that exists. <laughs> I'm contrary to popular belief that does exist, but how is how was that relationship with your dad cultivated? Because you are you you are a very open and free spirit, and uh, did that did you did you ever clash with your dad on that or is, or or how cool oh is he? Oh my gosh, we're we're still clashing on it. Um, <laughs> we are still clashing, but yeah, I think um, well, so it's a shamelessly marketing plug. I do have a book coming out in April called "I'm Black and I Have a Dad," <laughs> and it's essentially a coffee table book of stories um of growing up and different conversations that i have a habit of posting my conversations or interactions with him on you know facebook or instagram on my social because people like them so much and because our relationship is so unique but thing i would tell you is that our relationship didn't get here because it was real easy Mm -hmm. um our relationship got here because we worked at it and because we continue to work at it. Um, he had what he took full custody of me. I was three and he was 27. Oh my. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, he was this, you know, obviously young black gentleman. He had returned recently from the Marine Corps. Like right after he returned, he met my mom they get married, they make a family, they have a baby. Obviously, the family unit didn't last. And then all of a sudden, he's in these court battles where everyone's telling him you're not going to win because not only are you a dad, but you're black. Like, no one's going to give you custody of this little girl. Boom, he gets custody of me. And then it's like all of a sudden he wakes up and, you know, he's got this little maniac girl running around behind him. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. So... <laughs> Um, <laughs> what happens now? He got he he was able to get a hold of you, and he's he's clearly his influence is there. But at the same time, you were able to become you. You're able to be your own person. So his his your relationship with him definitely has helped spur you to who you are. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. I really don't know where I would be or what kind of human I would be if it weren't for our relationship. And not even just as from my childhood, but even now as an adult, it's actually pretty rare that days go by that I don't speak to him, whether it's, you know, text or, you know, we don't always sit down and have full hour conversations, though we do pretty frequently. Um, but, you know, we're, we're kind of always in communication or even, you know, when we both make big life decisions, we call each other. He recently took a new job. You know, he calls me. He's like, hey, what do you think about this job? Like, <laughs> like what happens now? So, it's, you know, that relationship is really built on on just doing it together all the time and, and constantly working at it. But, yeah, it's, it's become something really special. And. And it's been nice to have. It's nice to have your best friend know everything about you. Uh, your it sounds like your relationship with your dad is, is a whole lot like the relationship I I've had I've grown to have with my mother. Which is it, it's interesting when you mind you my my mother they've been married for for ooh, this year eighty. I had to do some math here. Thirty four years and wow. <laughs> but my mother has always been my. She's been my number one. She's the one who taught me about sports, for example, because she was a coach and she was a statistician and she 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 was a coach for different teams. So, so that that's always blowing away the stereotype. So I came up in a household where my mother was not your typical stereotype of a woman. She loved basketball and will and and knew all the rules of football and was showing me stuff about baseball and all this different stuff that little yeah. boys you would think would learn from their dads. And my dad right. gets it, but it's not to the extent where my mom just knows it. There's stuff about the NBA that she's forgotten more about the NBA than a lot of people know. So that's where right. I get kind of that that drive for me. So I, I see, obviously, we have that in common that we each have a parent who drives us. And interestingly, it's going into, it's like we fit, we fit quote unquote gender norms yet from two different from sides of the coin. I'm big into sports and all this dude stuff. 
<laughs> I learned most of it from my mom, which is which is wild when people think about that. When I go up and down your site here, and one thing I notice is big with you, amongst everything else, again, it's the female condition dot com the female condition it makes it sound like a condition like well what can you tell me about the female condition but it's the I, I, one thing i've noticed is that sexual health is a big deal with you as it should be with everybody by the way but i i was reading one of your one of your uh, posts earlier about the importance of being earnest about your sexual health for example Ex- explain the importance of sexual health since again I hate to have to do this, but some of y'all kind of need to have it explained to you because there's a lot of foolishness <laughs> happening out here. So explain why sexual health is such a big a big point for you to make on this site. For, yeah, absolutely. So, and, you know, we talked a little earlier about how I really started this female condition with this, like, huge lot of missions, right? I just, I wanted to do everything, and it's hard to just pick one mission because then I feel like I'm sacrificing other things that I care about. But if I really had to pick one succinct mission that will will follow me for at least the next five years, God willing, further, would be um, the sexually empowered female. And that's about, you know, part of that is our sexual health. Um, You know, it would shock you how many times women are not brought into medical trials for drugs that have nothing to do with vaginas. It's a very common practice in the medical community that if you're doing a drug trial and it's not a drug specific to a woman, they just don't include women in that trial at all. And that's, that's problematic for so many reasons, especially since we know that gender actually makes us different on a cellular level or talk about something like, um, and I, and maybe people commonly don't know this, women do, uh, antibiotics give you yeast infections. See, I, like this is, I'm, I just <laughs> learned something new there. I mean, I'm allergic to antibiotics or most antibiotics, so I stay away from them by and large. Didn't realize that was one of the things that comes from. I know they, that, yeah. I, don't, don't they mess with birth control too, from what I understand? Yeah. Yep, they can make your birth control um, ineffective. You, I mean, most women know this, that the first thing you ask the doctor when they're giving you an antibiotic is, can you also give me, you know, medication for yeast infection because it's going to cause, or for example, there's a lot of condoms, again, that give women infections. So there, there's all of these things that are happening in our, in our health community, and some of them towards sexual health and some of them towards you know, just health in general, where because women are opted out of it or because we're just not accounted for at all because we're considered, um, you know, just small men, it actually has a very adverse effect on the, on female health and the female quality of life. So, you know, if I'm someone and I need you to care about my physical health and I have a vagina, then my only recourse is to go to a specialist who then can't treat, you know, you go see an OBGYN or whatever, and she's not, or she or he, is not going to be able to treat your whole body. So we're, we create these larger scale problems, and then there's not funding, there's not research to help resolve and make health better for women, and then you're even limited beyond the fact that it's just ridiculously expensive to be, <laughs> you know, specialist just because I have a vagina, which I didn't really consider to be that much of a fucking specialty. I was born with it. (laughs) You have to understand, to those of us who don't have them, the vagina can be a very frightening instrument. We're not sure what to do with it. It's... (laughs) It's got all it's got all these folds and all this other different stuff happening and we're I think most women would tell you that they find some things about their own vaginas to be a bit scary as well, but is what's more scary is when you need help with something, um and and someone can't help you and these people who are paid to help you, I'll give, I'll give you a great example. I met the female CEO. Her name is Lauren Schulte, and she is the CEO. She has a partner, Erica, and I forgive me, her last name is uh, slipping from me at the moment. But they started a company called uh, the Flex Company. And what they do is they make um, menstrual cups, so a product that sits inside you and collects blood during your period, right, so that you don't have to use tampons. And the thing that really 
spearheaded them starting this company was that Lauren was someone who suffered from yeast infections every month when she got her period, which, by the way, super fucking common. Because what happens is, is when your body starts to transition, whatever, you're having your period, the blood starts coming down, and it throws off the balance, the pH balance in your vagina, your vagina then reacts with an overproduction of bad bacteria. Well, then, if you do something like use a tampon, because a tampon is sitting inside you, which, by the way, tampons are not FDA-regulated also, So we don't know what kind of bullshit chemicals they're putting in those. But even if you're doing like the 100% organic ones, because it's cotton, it's sitting in there and it's pulling at the walls of your vagina, which is then taking away all the good flora that's helping your body balance back out. So basically... So Lauren starts this company to make a period product to solve this problem because one just didn't exist. And just hearing that story alone makes me more thankful I'm a man every single day. <laughs> oh, my God. I, and I know that was a little deep for you, and no one wants to talk about yeast infections ever, but I, I, we, need to, we need to really understand on both sides of the fence, and we don't have to spend any more deep-diving time on it, but we need to understand on both sides of the fence that they're – are serious health, like quality of life things that happen for women that we have the technology and the resources to make better, but we don't because no one invests the money in the research or the products. And so women are just largely left on their own to deal with these things with, with no recourse. You talk so much on your site about not just your own sexual health, but sexual freedom at the same time. And what people yep. what people don't understand is those two things go together. You you can be yep. sexually free, but don't be an idiot. You you can't just there there's levels to this shit. You can't just be out here. At least be prepared. So yes, when I told you that we were gonna get real, I seriously meant it. We get as real as it can get, and we're not even close to done. Coming up after this very quick break, Jasmine talks about the objectification of black men. What can happen when you put race into not only sexual relationships, but relationships overall. And she'll also get into her preparation for the women's march that took place in D.C. My name is J. Scott Smith, and you're listening to JSC Radio. We'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today, and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kindle Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free. You can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. This is JSC Radio, a special edition. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. want to remind you again as you're sitting here on the Patreon page, it'll be up on the main feed a little bit later on this week. But when you're sitting here on this Patreon page, feel free to donate. This show can always use help, and if you're a company 
or a sponsor looking to get your business out there, especially if you're in the Philadelphia or the Washington DC or the New York or of course the Detroit area, be sure to hit this page up because as I've mentioned before, more than willing to get your name on this show. Looking to do more in 2017 and getting a lot of you businesses over and getting your name out there across the country and all over the globe. So back to the interview. We already talked about a whole lot of wonderful things dealing with women's health and dealing with the policing of women's bodies. But now we move forward into issues dealing with race. And coming up in this second half of the interview, we will be talking about race and talking about the Women's March. Yeah, I know it took place, but Jasmine had some really good reasons for going down there. My name's Jay Scott Smith, and you're listening to JSC Radio. We'll head into the other direction here. The the sexual free... Only because... Not, not, trust me, we can I, I can talk about tampons all day. But it's the... <laughs> The, sex, the, the sexual free the, the sexual freedom aspect of this and on your site you're very open about that and a lot of people men and women but there is this stigma about women being sexually free and it's something that you attack very very aggressively is this is who I am and it's not it's nothing to be ashamed of so I want yep. uh, you can explain this in much better terms than I can so explain I guess where for one where this came from with you and two just lay it out there like why is this such an important thing for you okay yeah so sexual freedom yeah not just sexual health definitely sexual freedom and and i mean sexual freedom in in all the senses not just the sense that i as a woman can go out and engage in you know a sexual exploit of whatever nature but also just the slut shaming judgment factor of it I don't truly understand why women are held to a different standard than men when it comes to sexuality, um, but they are. And it's, it's a little shocking, especially in the United States to me, because if we look around us, we see so much sex in our media, so much sex in our advertising, like all, you know, the, the female body is just like bought and sold at, at every corner in this country. Yet, as soon as a woman has anything to do with her own sexuality, you know, or even dips her toe into <laughs> anything sexually expensive. Hey, some people are into that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, ruled as, some, as, as a derogatory name, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've got some of these icons current, say, like Amber Rose, who are, you know, trying to get rid of slut shaming and trying to take back certain words that have been thrown at women to be derogatory and you know actually recently I saw a hashtag that was thought leader but like t-h-o-t leader Mm -hmm. and it actually made me laugh because I think you know I thought it was such a cool um use to try to reclaim these these words that are really just arbitrarily labeled on women at will to bring them back into our community and really and really take their power from them. Something that I would say about, uh, as, as far as a mission statement about why female sexuality or sexually empowered women matters to me is because I really, really firmly believe that this next wave of feminism, we have to have women who are allowed to have their own unique individual sexuality that is not disrespected, you know, that is is not... We don't have respect or things taken from us because we are our own individual sexual beings. And I think on on the surface when I say stuff like that, it just sounds like, you know, I want to suck all the dick I want and don't want anybody to talk to me about it, right? <laughs> this is, that, that's where our minds tend to go. That's, that's where our minds tend to go. <laughs> but no, I know, but obviously, no, that's not the case. And I've had a man say that to me, a man that I respected, that I trust, that I don't think in any way said it to me to degrade me or to hurt me or to counteract. But he said to me, I feel like women act like sexual freedom is part of feminism because they just want to be able to suck all the dicks they want without feeling bad. <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, okay, okay that's fair. Well, damn. Let me, yeah, like, well, like, okay, it's a, it's a point, I guess, but let's, let's take it back and let's actually talk about 
why this piece of feminism is not only important, but by but why we see women, women of different walks of life, with different life experience, with different beliefs, feel so avid that we have to champion this. And I think it really goes back, just like all the way back to the idea of women being sold as property. If we think about something even as basic as virginity, what do we teach women and young girls about virginity? As soon as you lose it, you lost something. So you have to find a really good man, someone who's really going to care about you because you're giving him a share of your market value because you're giving him something. You know, it's, it's almost like we equate women to, to brand new cars. So when you're born, you're this shiny new car and you're sitting in your lot. But as soon as that first man gets in the driver's seat and drives you off the lot, 30%. <laughs> there's a de- there's you know, a depreciation. Then you have sex with someone else, yeah, but maybe you gave a blowjob five percent. <laughs> oh my and god! This this value for women around around sex, and the more people you have sex with, you know, you're just you're you're losing value by the wayside. And and those foundational beliefs really truly come from a time when. If you had a pretty daughter and she was a virgin, you sold her to someone like a piece of fucking property so that you could essentially gain positions in revenue. Virginity isn't a real, it's a man-made construct. It's not a real thing like that. If we start believing in virginity today, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for us. It's completely man-made. And, and now we're sitting in this world where, you know, women, quote unquote, you know, we can't, buy and sell as as economic property any longer, but these ideas are still following us. We're still in a place where a woman is considered to be second class and doesn't make the same wage as a man because there's this foundational belief that her work isn't isn't as valuable of that as a man. Like, we're still fighting to essentially be equally respected like a man would, even though we're not quote unquote property anymore. It's, I mean, I, I laugh about the whole depreciation thing, but there, there's a, there's a distinct point there. And it looks, it's, it's funny that in 2017, we're still having a lot of the same conversations that, that were being held in 1977. And those conversations were being had in 1947. It's almost like it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. It's just the only thing that's changed yeah. is the is the technology and the wardrobe, but everything else well, still remains. And we love to treat people like these fights are, are so far long gone. I mean, you're talking about okay, so white women won the right to vote in 1920s, which is still less than a hundred years ago. Black women didn't start large scale voting until late 60s. So we're still talking about very recent history, women not being allowed basic human rights. I mean, until the Affordable Health Care Act, women were paying more for health care because being able to have a child is considered a pre-existing condition. Which is absolutely insane. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's insane. So it's a nothing like being born with the pre the pre existing condition of being able to give birth. Thanks, America. <laughs> Appreciate. Well, and and even if we can, but we can give birth if someone inseminates us. So wouldn't that still wouldn't yeah. that still equally? We're, yeah, because women put are, us at the burden of cost. Women are not asexual. It is interesting that you mentioned, that you say that it's a pre existing condition for women to give birth. But it's not a pre-existing condition for men to be able to... To be able to impregnate someone. <laughs> but you mentioned it about virginity, too. Like, a woman's virginity is protected to the point where it's like, if it's it's this great prize, and if you give it up to the wrong person, it's all your fault. Meanwhile, your 16-year-old boy, dude, what the hell are you waiting on? <laughs> you gotta, yep. We got to get you broken in before you get to college. What the hell's wrong with you? How was it? Like yo, man, I know. I mean, come on, now you gotta you, you gotta get that out of your system at some point. It's almost like the hypersexualization yeah. of men or boys yes. on the other end of the spectrum. And you know what? We've yeah. ha- we've had this conversation before, 
and you've mentioned this, you've talked about it. You were, we were talking about how obviously with women being treated as sexual objects and, and almost like virginity being treated like it's a, like, like it's the, like it's the Holy grail or the Triforce or something. And you can't make sure, make sure you can't lose it. But we've talked about how black men have kind of fallen okay. into this same issue. And, and I guess, it would almost sound weird for me to say it because I can't really I can't articulate it as well as you can. <laughs> I'll say that. But, that is kind of you. <laughs> but but yeah, you we've had this conversation about how we as black men get kind of put out there and treated as sexual objects. And this is going back to the Manding the Mandingo days and all the different different shit you see in movies. And it doesn't have to be slaves, but we're always kind of the the object of one's desire. And it's like, I guess, explain you explain your thoughts on that, and I'll be more than happy to chime in as, you know, the resident black man in the room. <laughs> so, I, I'm, and you can't see me um, on a podcast, but I am actually a, a black female myself. I'm, my mom is French, German, and Irish, and then my dad is mostly um, German and black, and then apparently we might have some blackfoot Indian who knows? We're a whole mix. But the point is that I, I myself am a woman of color. And so in really taking this feminist journey, not only, you know, broadly with the world through the femalecondition.com, but also just with, within myself, right? Before I ever put something on the website, I'm constantly writing. I'm constantly thinking things through. And the thing that kept resonating with me over and over especially as I try to, like, dig deeper into these issues, like, why is the sexual objectification of women in our society so problematic? Why are things like catcalling, the fact that I cannot walk down the street in New York without someone yelling something sexual at me, like, why are these things, like, actually very dangerous for us, and why do they feel so, um, why do they feel like assault to women? And the parallel I kept seeing over and over was really the sexualization of the black man um, in it's specific to the United States and how, you know, and of course I see some foundational similarities in that, you know, women definitely sold as property, black definitely sold as property, but I think the thing that we see that's so distinct to the black man is we've never seen another ethnicity of man sexualized to the extent that the black man not only has been in the United States, but continues to be. I mean, birth of a nation, this idea that black men are savages and they're, you know, you know, after you enslaved them, they're going to rape your <laughs> European <laughs> wives and daughters. We're, we're going to, we're, we're going to come raping and pillaging through your neighborhoods. It's the, it's the fear of the black penis. Be careful because we're, we're out there. Well, it's the ultimate manipulation after you enslave, you enslave an entire group of people and take them from their homeland. And then now, you know, beyond that, you now just cast this huge manipulation about how, and now they're rapists, like raping when, when they're not building the foundation of America or raping (laughs) when the white men are raping our women. You have to understand. It sounds so much like the the whole notion that all the all the black people and all Mexicans and all pretty much all all immigrants of color are lazy and a drag on the society. And at the same time, we're taking all your damn jobs. It, it, it's yeah. the <laughs> it, and, and it's the same thing is that you basically have to protect you have to protect your women from us. I, I did I did projects on this when I was in college and it was the same thing that a lot of foundational racism was built on fear of the black dick as <laughs> best way I can describe it I, I couldn't name the paper that unfortunately but it's like that's where that's where it comes from is like you almost have to paint out this picture that we're a bunch of savage animals who when we're set loose we're going to destroy everything and we're going to take all your women I mean Emmett Till got killed over that that he supposedly yeah. improperly whistled at a white woman, and therefore he had to die. It's it, it's. Well, we've got countless cases like that, or things where you know you had any kind of contact with a white woman, and black women were killed for it, or black men were killed for it. Like that, those stories are rampant. They still happen in the South. It's it's still interesting to me, and I've had this conversation a few times with 
with people is that it's interesting that in 2017, interracial relationships are a lot more accepted. We're at the 50-year anniversary of Loving versus Virginia, for example. And interracial relationships are a lot more accepted. However, there does seem to be that one taboo. You could put out two ads, for example, for one company, and it can have an, two different interracial couples. You can have the couple with a white man and a black woman, and you take the black man and the white woman. And look underneath those pictures in any comment section on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook, and you would think you were seeing two different things. You see white white man, black woman, or white man, any race of woman. Oh, isn't it beautiful? Love is beautiful. It's wonderful. You put a black man with that put a black man with that white woman and let me and go you can't even read back some of the comments underneath there. So I get I get what you're saying because I live this every day. As a black man, <laughs> and having to having to always feel like I'm a little uncomfortable, whether it's around women, whether it's around other uh, other people in general, because you're always on guard as a black man, because you're always wondering what the hell are they thinking about me when I come in the room. Right, because you just you simply don't know what could happen to you. You certainly know if something happens to you, no one's going to be held accountable. I mean, that's <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> you certainly know that. <laughs> and we. This show has touched on that subject a few times already. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's it is, but yeah, I I do I do as a black man I appreciate this feeling of at least somebody gets what we go through. And no, this is not any sort of humble brag. This is just like this is this is real shit. Is that we we are seen as kind of like this meat, this man candy that. Even, yeah. That even if we, it, it's funny is they uh, there there are women who are more than willing to have sex with us, but they for damn sure wouldn't actually let us into their home in any other situation. <laughs> or, right. be, or there are women who, I mean, I coming from Minnesota, I know more women than I want to talk about who believe that having sex with a black man actually again brings your market value down. Oh boy, <laughs> we. even the foreseeable, you know, last three years or whatever, where, yeah, where you're, and, I, and I'm literally sitting there like, well, I guess I'm safe since I'm black, and I can keep all the black men, right? Like, <laughs> 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 How does it work if you're already black? <laughs> it's, the, it, it, it's the weirdest thing, because whether it's your first experience in college, or you just, there's always a guard that we have up as black men. And often we don't yep. we, we feel misunderstood. It's crazy, I guess, hearing that because there's often this perception among black men and in the black community that feminism is one of the things that's tearing apart the black the black family structure and and black and those feminists are trying to take black men. And I was like, for one, that's bullshit. Just just shut just just stop. Secondarily, it's like people don't understand that feminists are essentially asking, not really asking, demanding the same thing that we as as black men and black people want. That our brown friends want, that everybody have, have wants. Been asking for. Yeah. And yeah, that we're that, have, that we've been asking. And remember, just because you're a feminist, and I think this is where it gets this is where it gets scary for people that you assume because I'm a feminist, you you take all these ideas that you have in your head based, you know, what you've seen on TV or whatever else, and you just attach all of those to me because you know I'm a feminist, and and those are. Well, it's unfair to the movement, but I also think that that's why it's so important that, you know, at least for me personally, that I bring men into the fold, that I have these conversations with men. Because, yeah, the reality is that, like, I just want foundational equality. I just want to make the same rate at my job for <laughs> a job well done like a man does. I just want to have health care and reproductive rights. I want to feel like if someone were to rape or assault me, that there's justice in our systems for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not asking, I'm not a man hater by any stretch of the imagination. And actually within the confines of like, you know, relationships, I hold a lot of traditional values where I mean, I was raised with a very strong, dominant black father where I took care of the home, you know what I mean? And he did, you know, outside and, like, garbage and, and man's work. And, and I think if, if you're a woman and you don't subscribe to that and you'd like something else, no problem, find a man who's into that. But for me, like, 
when I marry and in the confines of that relationship, I very much want, you know, a husband and father who's the head of the household. I would very much like to not manage my own money anymore because I'm really shitty at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily want to stay home with kids. Like, I've got my own kind of flavor of, because I bring, I feel like I bring value to the world through my work. And so I'd have to go through a personal transition on what it means for my value in the world to come through children versus coming through, you know, the female condition, writing books, these, these other pursuits. Um, but, but yeah, as far as those traditional values, like those are very much my values. So how can someone write for the female condition, man or woman? How can someone write for them? <laughs> You can, hey, you just reach out. I actually, um, and I do writer roll calls every now and again, um, like on Instagram. So everything is the same. Um, Thefemalecondition.com is the website. The Female Condition on Facebook. The Female Condition on Instagram. Or you can find me personally, Jasmine Duke, J-A-Z-M-I-N-E-D-U-K-E. That's all my handles for every social um, and really, I just take, <clears throat> every time someone comes to me and says, well, how do I write for you? I say, pitch me an idea. And once they pitch me an idea, we kind of walk it through. Um, I either accept it or I don't. The, I'd say the most, most of the time I accept it, the times when I don't accept it is either where it seems like very shorthand content. So, for example, if you're pitching me something that's just an Instagram post, I don't really have any use for that on the website, if that makes sense. No, you need something with some substance to it. Well, exactly. And and don't come at me with a pure opinion piece unless it's a personal journey that you went through. Um, I'm always taking birth control stories, abortion stories, because those kind of honest communications, you know, um, the article you were talking about, Earlier is actually a woman who was sexually assaulted and ended up with herpes as a result of it. And now each time, you know, she goes, she has a new partner, she starts dating someone, she has to go through this really painful process of explaining what happened to her and how in order to be her sexual partner, like, there is a real risk. So, you know, I'm always up for personal stories, but I think, yeah, the bigger, a lot of the bigger content that I've been getting lately and that I'm more interested is definitely things that are supported by data, um, different spins on the same old ideas, things of that nature. And one final thing, you're going to D.C. this weekend (laughs) for the, uh, and it's, and it's for damn sure not for the, uh, the proceedings that are happening on Friday. You're you're no, heading down there. Definitely not. You're heading down there for the march, and you're yep. you're doing this, fighting off all kinds of colds and flus and the plague and everything else <laughs> to get down there. Yeah. And you and you actually your one of your more your more recent pieces is called "Why I March." So yep. please tell the people before we head out of here, why are you marching? So I will. Let's. I want to be really transparent that I wasn't going to. Um, I am not. Traditionally, in my lifetime, I'm not a marcher, I'm not a protester, and that doesn't mean that I'm not outraged, that doesn't mean that I'm not politically active. However, I've always felt like my best outlets were writing, you know, speaking, and, you know, some of these other things, being careful about what brands I spend my money with, boycotting other things. Um, also, just by by the reality that I'm a very small person, um, I, I'm very small and like even I won't go to concerts because every time I'm in a crowd I end up getting trampled or like I've had cigarettes put out on me like it just seems like that large group of people plus my small ass never <laughs> goes well so I wasn't going to and as, as things kept getting closer and kept getting closer and I'm hearing my mom so my mom signed up for the March in Minnesota and every week she's talking to me about her prep, right? She's like, I got my snow pants, but I also got my backup leggings. I got my pussy hat made. And I got this. Like, every week, I'm, like, hearing her talk about it. I'm like, you know, every week, I'm just kind of thinking in my head, like, fuck, this is history. Like, God damn it. Like, this is my platform. Like, I should really be there. And so it, it kept going through my mind. It kept going through my mind. And um, a girlfriend of mine, Polly Rodriguez, she's the CEO of the Unbound Box. And if you've read anything on the female condition, um, any of the socials or the websites, and you know that I'm 
a huge advocate of Polly um, and her company, not only because she's such a great human, but also because I love, you know, for any woman to be the female CEO of a sex toy company, I think is such a needed and bold move. I, I'm just, I'm so behind that. I cannot promote her enough. But I actually reached out to her. She was at a panel listening to the organizers behind the Women's March speaking, and she had put it on Snapchat. So I messaged her, and I was like, man, I go, I should have coordinated earlier. Like, there's already no buses. You know, there's already no place to stay. I should have figured this out earlier. I'm really bummed I'm going to miss it. And Polly responded back to me in, like, 30 seconds with, we will figure it out. Just commit. Like, just commit to going. We'll figure it out. She's like, I have a place to stay. I already have more girls than I even know of staying there. But, like, we will stack up to the walls to fit everybody. You have to be there. And I thought to myself, like, you can't even find girls throwing birthday parties who will put more than three girls in a hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) And this is so important to her that she is literally willing to take the time out of her crazy-ass schedule on something that she's already planned for and, like, you know, got way more operational, you know, grunt behind than I do. And it's just like, whatever, we'll stack up, we'll sleep together, we'll still have, you know, condo with girls to the brim. Just come. And I thought to myself, I was like, this is, this is exactly fucking why I have to be a part of this movement because because we need more of this not just women standing up for themselves but women standing up for other women women going to other women and saying hey you have a business i support you i'll do anything to help you hey you need help with something you need help figuring out contraceptives you need somewhere to stay like i got you i'll take care of you so yeah i uh (laughs) i'm on my way to dc (laughs) well have fun down there Stay safe down there. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a scene down there, I'm guessing, the next few days. I'm very much looking forward to it. Jasmine Duke, I appreciate you coming on here. She's the founder of the female condition. Again, it sounds like a disease, but it's not. It's actually really cool. (laughs) The female condition. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for coming on JSC Radio and being a part of this show and adding a female perspective to this male-dominated, not even a locker room. I'm not even sure what the hell to call this thing I've got going on here, but I appreciate you taking your time to talk to me, especially knowing how you're feeling right now. Go kick ass in D.C., and I can guarantee you will be back on this show again because we still got all kinds of shit to talk about. <laughs> I would love that. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity of thinking of me at all. I'm, I'm happy to be here, and And there you have it. Thank you once again for checking in here on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash JSC Radio. This will be showing up on the regular JSC Radio feed later on in the week. By the way, might have noticed we switched up the logo once again. So yeah, getting a bit of a new look, freshen the place up for 2017, and be on the lookout as well. In fact, it probably should be out by the time this works its way onto the feed. Be on the lookout for JSC Radio episode 29 as we get ready for the Super Bowl. And also, I make a bit of a statement on the direction that JSC Radio is headed in going forward. Nothing major. No, not shutting this thing down. But I had an epiphany over the last few days, and I'm going to lay it out to you coming up on episode 29, the next original episode of JSC Radio. So once again, take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. And let's treat people a hell of a lot better. We're all one nation of so many different people. Everybody. And I mean everybody as well. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online for like a year. She couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house. 
stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.